This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on a 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Welcome on in. Guys, the rain was depressing me too. I was sick of moving baseball games and practices, but the shorts are on. Some of you already out and about because the weather app says maybe we're looking at 80 degrees today. Let's go. So enjoy every second because uh, I'm going to be really angry when we're back to the rain tomorrow, which looks like it might happen Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. I should mention off the top, if you were listening for my Friday hit on the Dan Bernstein Show without Dan Bernstein, and you were looking for some sports betting info, do I need to apologize? It wasn't my fault, but I kind of feel like I should. (laughs) There was Layla, Ranji, Lawrence was hanging out, I, I think for at least that hour, myself, and a special guest, and... Let's say that FCC regulations were violated if you were listening live on the Odyssey app, or you could actually go back if you want on the Odyssey app, or if you were enjoying the show on Twitch. If you did listen for Bulls Bucks Nuggets, I apologize, even though it really wasn't my fault. We usually break down the latest Bulls odds, baseball stuff with the weekday hits Tuesday through Friday on the score. And this is my last early odds show prior to the NFL draft, which I have always loved. And now there are hundreds of ways that you can bet on the draft, over-under numbers on players' draft positions. First pick, seventh pick, tenth pick overall, top five selections, top ten, top 32, over-unders on the number of players drafted on any given position conferences in the first round what's the over under number on the big 10 all that stuff position of the first pick for each and every team including the bears even though they don't have a first round pick at the moment we'll be in deep on the nba playoffs for a while because you see how they're dragging out this first round so today tons of in-depth actionable information coming your way to help you bet on the draft let's start with scott smith 
He's all over the place, including Rotoviz and the Action Network. Scott had the most accurate mock draft out there in 2018, and he's always up there. And, and we know how many mock drafts. Everybody has one. You're going to want to grab a pen and paper or open the notes app for this one. Here's Scott Smith with me on BetQL Daily. And we started with pick 1-1. One, one. Is it definitely Aiden Hutchinson or is there a bet to be made? Look, man, on all of my mock drafts so, so far and even on my recent one, I've had Aiden Hutchinson. But like you said, that gap starting to close and, and what felt like it was a, a sure thing now seems like it's about 60-40 leaning in Hutchinson's favor with a lot of momentum going towards Walker. I do think there is some value. Um, I actually bet Walker at plus 190 to go first overall. So I do think there's still a little, a little bit of meat on the bone for that bet. All right. As far as just this draft overall, is there a specific team or position group when it comes to betting this draft that uh, intrigues you the most? Yeah, you know, one of the things I think you have to look at, especially with the way this offseason has unfolded, the financial landscape of the NFL is absolutely changing. Denzel Ward at the the cornerback position just got a huge contract. You, you saw what happened with Devontae Adams and, and Tyreek Hill. I think when you start looking at the back end of the draft, I think you're going to see a lot of those cornerbacks and wide receivers start to sneak in just because of the financial value that they're going to bring to teams. Also looking at like the fifth year option as, as well as being, being in play. So I think when you start looking at, at some of the top 32 bets that they have out there, I think you want to kind of pin your hopes on some of these cornerbacks and wide receivers there in the back end of the draft. Scott, I saw a couple of days ago you tweeted about the Carolina situation uh, at quarterback. I mean, there's been some smoke the last couple of days that maybe they're not going to take a quarterback. They'll go offensive line there. But I don't know, and I think that's what you were kind of saying. I don't know how they don't go quarterback, considering how everyone there seems to be on the hot seat, including the coach. They, they just need something better at quarterback. Are you thinking quarterback at six? And uh, do you think there's value on either Willis or Pickett or one versus the other when it comes to Carolina and being the first quarterback taken? Look, a lot of rumblings coming out of Carolina is that they want to move down to go ahead and, and either select Pickett or Willis. But in what NFL draft, when a team has interest in a player or in a prospect, do they move down to get him? You always hear about teams moving up to get them. Um, I think when you start looking at the, you know, Matt Rule being on a hot seat and whatnot, I would tend to lean at this point a little bit more towards like a Baker Mayfield trade. I know the the Pittsburgh Steelers right now are are my favorite to go ahead and and get Willis. Uh, You hear about, you know, Pickett being related there with uh, to Matt Rule back when he was coaching Temple and recruiting him. At this point in time right now in my mock draft, I actually have the big offensive tackle, Charles Cross. I think just from a from a standpoint of of what what Carolina needs, I think he's going to make the most sense. And if Matt Rule and wants to go ahead and save his job, I think he's going to have to go ahead and look towards either, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield or maybe even a Jimmy Garoppolo trade. So right now I'm kind of leaning towards cross if Carolina can't trade back. The top five market, you uh, quickly mentioned top 32, but let's let's hone in on top five for the moment. Trayvon Walker, such a happy favorite. We're not going to get interested there. You got to lay more than $2 for Thibodeau or Quanu. Any other names that you like for a top five bet? You know, I think I think the top five is pretty much set. I think you're going to go ahead and, and see Hutchinson, Walker, um, and and Thibodeau, and I think Iquano's the the fourth. Um, I think the the toss up really comes in, in whether or not you're going to go ahead and, and see either Cross, who who projects more of a, a, a true left tackle, versus Evan Neal, who's kind of played on the right side and 
and even some people project him to a guard. But it, the other two players that really come into play here is going to be Ahmad Gardner and even a long shot with uh, Derek Stingley. He's been getting a, a lot of a lot of connections there in, in Houston, and there's even some some good good parlays that you can even go and get like the plus 6,000 range. If you want to take an outside bet and, and parlay Hutchinson, the Walker and even uh, Stingley going third to, to Houston. So I think there's a little bit of value there, but uh, I think more of the value when it comes is going to be towards betting some of these top 32s like down at the bottom. I mean, the top five really seems like it's set at this point in time. Yeah. Well, well what you just mentioned, there could be some value. Gardner minus 115 to go top five cross plus 300 Stingley as a longer shot at plus 450. Uh, what about top 10 where we find some value? You know, Willis is minus 150, Stingley minus 140. But uh, if we're looking for some plus money, you're going to have to get into Jamison Williams, Kenny Pickett, Drake London territory. Any top 10 bets you like? Yeah, you know, I think I think you have to look at a few different ways to go ahead and bet this. And, and instead of just looking at specifically like top 10 players, you start matching up some players to some teams. Garrett Wilson is plus 500 to, to go at the eight slot. And you start looking at Atlanta. Atlanta probably has the worst, you know, wide receiver room in the NFL. And when you start looking at Garrett Wilson, you know, he, he's projected to be the first wide receiver off the board at, at plus 110. Um, and, and that earlier in the week, it was him and Drake London kind of tied at plus 125. Drake London's kind of dropped down a little bit. But I think when you start projecting some of those players like Garrett Wilson at 1.8, you know, to, to Atlanta for plus 500, I think there's good value there. Scott, depending on where you look, the prop for wide receivers in the first round has, has been jumping between five and a half and six and a half. I believe you have six in your latest mock drafts, including George Pickens uh, towards the tail end there. What's your thought process on, on how many we could get? Do you think there could be a seventh? Could someone jump into the bottom of the first round? To get one of these guys, I, I just keep thinking about how much these players now cost in free agency, that extra year, if someone might want to jump in at 32. I feel like we're in that six or seven range for the first round. What's your thought on how many receivers we're getting here? Yeah, and this is a line that has moved. Early on, I bet this, uh, the original line was at over under five and a half wide receivers, and I, I think six is a solid number. I think the market has kind of switched right to where it is. You start looking at expected draft position, and George Pickens is kind of sitting right there at the 44 range. Some of the other players that you're kind of looking at, Christian Watson, um, you know, Sky Moore has kind of come in, Jahan Dotson. So those are some other guys that are there. I would really shop around and, and see if there's a number that, that really kind of changes over the next next few days to, to see if you can kind of shop around and get a little bit better number. But I think that's kind of accurate there at that six and a half. I expect six, um, I think seven stretching a little bit. I think you're going to see some of these uh, cornerbacks like Kair Elam, Kyler Gordon, some of those guys kind of go in, the, in that back half. And I think you'll see some of the, the other wide receivers, Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson, Sky Moore in the second round. Scott, let's circle back to the top 32 bets that you mentioned. Uh, when you're getting close to even money, Ritter minus 125, Christian Watson minus 105, Logan Hall plus 100. Uh, which cornerbacks, receivers do you like where you could get some value on for first round on? that Thursday? Well, I mean, you start looking at the plus money, you've got Kyler Gordon, who by all all accounts, like the scouts all have, you know, say that they all have first round grade on him. I think you, Andrew Booth is another one that, that was up there a little bit higher. Some scouts are kind of dropping him down into the second round because he's got an injury and has not been able to run. There's some questions on his long speed there in the secondary. 
Um, but, but some of the ones that I like there, I, I think Lewisine, the, the, the safety out of uh, Georgia, I think he's got a, a decent shot, his expected draft position. Sits at about pick 36 right now, but I think he could slide in. Tyler Smith, the big tackle and slash guard out of Tulsa, sits at uh, plus 110. We've got an expected draft position on him at pick 29. And, you know, we already hit on George Pickens. I think he's a, he's a good bet as well. And as in Kyrie, when the, the big cornerback out of Florida, I think those are the guys that you're going to sit there and look. And when we start talking about the quarterbacks, right now we've got projected four quarterbacks with expected draft position in the first round. Mm-hmm. That includes Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get those two guys like Ritter at minus 125 and Corral at minus 145. And especially when we start talking about like the quarterback position, I also think there's good money to go ahead and, and project a quarterback there to Tennessee at plus 600. So I, I think that's some good action that you can go ahead and look at. Tanny, Ryan Tannehill is starting to get a little bit older. He's 34. He did lead them to a first seed last year, but really fell flat in the playoffs. So I think that's another value that you can go ahead and look at. Uh, when, you, when you look at this particular first round, does the, the amount of teams that have multiple first-round picks kind of change the way this could go? I mean, because, you know, it's not just we have this one need. Now we could get our need and we could get something else. Giants, Jets, Texans, Eagles, Chiefs. There's a lot of teams here set up the Saints with uh, multiple first round picks. It feels like, you know, a third or more of the first round is is just within, you know, a handful of teams. Yeah, I think uh, you have to start looking. And I expect to see a little bit more of the trades like coming in the second half of the draft of the first round. Um, but specifically Kansas City and, and what they've, you know, had to, to go ahead and get rid of Tyreek Hill. I would expect uh, – Veach over there in Kansas City to go ahead and make a move. You've seen Kansas City have a, a past history of moving up and down, you know, especially when they went, in, went up and got Patrick Mahomes. But with those, with them having two picks right there at, at 29 and 30, needing a wide receiver, and then you've also got Green Bay right in front of them at 28, also sitting with 22. Those are two primary teams that I would expect that have multiple picks that would use that ammo to go ahead and move up. Some of the other teams that you kind of start looking at. You know, Minnesota has, has talked about possibly moving down. The Giants have two picks in, in the top ten. They talked about possibly moving down. But Washington specifically at 11 only has two picks within the top 50 and, and not much else in the draft as far as draft capital. So I would expect those kind of be the ranges that teams would look to move up in the draft with, with those teams like Washington looking to move down and acquire more draft capital. Incredible influence, Scott. Um, you mentioned Trayvon Walker that there's still value there with the number one pick. But as, as you move down a lot of these sports books, uh, it, it's hard to land a specific player on a specific spot. It's all plus money. Any others that you like? I see uh, the top 10 are, are available to bet on right now. Yeah, I think Kenny Pickett's an interesting uh, uh, interesting one to look at. And if you look at the odds, how they've, they've changed for the, the Saints in particular, you know, the Saints are projected at plus 150 now to, to get a quarterback. And, and I would expect that to be Pickett if it, if he does slide down. I really think uh, there's good money to be had with Malik Willis, um, specifically at plus 350 to try to line him up with Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh's been one of the teams that you know who they're drafting before the draft even happens. You know, mm-hmm. they, they've been in love with Malik Willis since the Senior Bowl. Um, and I, I just think he's a player in the way that they're set up, that they'd be a team that would be willing to get him. And I think there's good money to be had at plus 350 with Malik Willis to Pittsburgh. Scott, do you have any 
thoughts on, on how this offensive line group might go? I mean, it, it's it's bounced around so much. You know, early mock drafts, Evan Neal was number one, the first guy. Then Iki Aquanu. Now we've heard the last week or so the Giants might like Charles Cross. The order of those guys, do you think there's much difference between them? Is it just beauty in the eye of the beholder? Why, why so much difference we've seen in mocks the last few months about this offensive line class? Well, I think specifically when you look at it, um, I, I have Aquanu, and, and pretty much upon most scouts, I think he's got the most tools. And, and you know, you just look at the way he is and, and as far as run blocking. He's played inside. He's played outside. I, I think he's going to be fully entrenched as the first offensive lineman off the board. When it comes to Evan Neal, there's some question as to whether or not he can project specifically to the left side, where Charles Cross is – specifically you get him he's going to be a left tackle so you start looking at the coaching change they have there with the giants you know are they going to want to go ahead and pass more does cross project better for them and in their offense in particularly i actually think cross has a good chance and i think there's good money to be had there if you want to bet specifically with that matchup uh putting charles cross to the giants at plus 450 at pick five right there i think that's a good uh a good money to be had but also even with this offensive line class if you want to project specifically offensive line to the Giants that pick five that's minus 120 and I still think there's good meat on the bones for that to be had as well draft position over for players any that uh, are currently available that you really like um, I think one of the players that you can go ahead and look at, and he's been all over the board. And usually when you have guys like this, like George Karloftis is a guy who like teams either love him or they hate him. Some of the scouts have actually like come out and said that they don't even think he's a second round pick or a third round pick. Originally he was sitting up around like 13 and his over and under kind of shot down to about 16 and a half. I think it's sitting at about 19 right now. I actually have him projected uh, 23rd to Arizona. I think Dallas is another destination where you could see him go. Um, so he's a guy I actually like the, the over on is sitting there at that. Um, some of the other players that I think you can sit there and look at, I really like Derek Stingley um, and his numbers. Before his uh, pro day, he was sitting around 12 and a half. That line jumped down to about 10 and a half right now. So today it's sitting at 11 and a half. I think there's a good good way you can sit there and see him projected, you know, anywhere, you know, in high end with him going to Houston, they've got some love for him. But I think when you start looking at some teams that might want to move up, he's a player that could possibly get moved up to. And I, I like that number nine spot, either there to Seattle or to another team wanting to move up to select Derek Stingley. Stingley's an interesting one for a team uh, looking for one of those high ceiling players. This is early odds with Joe Ostrowski, 670 the score. That was my interview with Scott Smith of Rotoviz and the Action Network, one of the most accurate prognosticators in the mock draft game. These numbers are really starting to pick up and move. Earlier this week on the show, I was talking about how much I liked Sauce Gardner at under seven and a half, but Right now, I can't say that I love going under on Gardner since the number has moved to five and a half before that second Giants pick, thanks to the Bears. A couple that still stand out are at receiver. Chris Olave, under 17 and a half, with Washington picking 11th, Philly 15th, and then there's the LA Chargers, a possibility at 17th. Traylon Burks, under 23 and a half. Both of those Eagles selections, Saints, Packers at 22, all possibilities for Burks to go under 23 in the hook. We'll certainly have plenty more Monday through Thursday this week on BetQL Daily. Follow me on Twitter at Joe Ostrowski, at Joe Ostrowski. 
More NFL Draft Nuggets with PFF's Anthony Tresh coming up next. This is Early Odds, Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. The Score listener line is open 24-7, 365, empowered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Welcome back. You've got Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. 670 The Score. Hope you're enjoying the start to what is shaping up to be an awesome weekend. We'll see if our teams will cooperate. Uh, With it being my last early odds ahead of the NFL draft, which has become quite the betting event in recent years, wanted to share some more intel, and now we turn to Anthony Tresh of Pro Football Focus. Anthony dropped by BetQL Daily this week, and we started with this apparently All right, it is a very weak quarterback class and why his favorite signal caller is Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter. Here's Trash with me on BetQL Daily. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the most NFL-ready quarterback in this class. And even there at eighth overall, it's a little bit of a reach. I'm doing this from the perspective, um, you know, if I were the decision maker for all 32 teams with the situation, I'd be handed right now. And, you know, I think Atlanta kind of, took them and put themselves in a situation where they probably have to take a quarterback in this upcoming class by signing Marcus Mariota. I mean, probably the best play would have been playing for 2023, but you know, nonetheless, what with Ritter there. And I think the biggest reason why he's QB one for me is just his processing ability, right? I mean, you could see, you know, how calm and quick and decisive he was with his decisions. I mean, getting through his progressions and, you know, not giving the defense an opportunity to make a play on the ball. I mean, that was, that's a very, important attribute to have, arguably the most important at the quarterback position. This past year, he had nine games, no turnover-worthy plays. Um, and even at the uh, group of five level, that's unheard of. That had led the FBS, um, that total of games with no turnover-worthy plays for a single game, according to PFF. So, you know, I, I really like the growth that he showed this past year. I wasn't a believer in him before the season. I turned into one after seeing the growth that he had. I mean, the deep ball was improved. The accuracy, it's not a liability like some people kind of make it out to be. It's average. It's not elite. And, you know, obviously you would like for it to be a little bit better, but it's not going to be a significant problem at the end of the day. So, you know, I think he has a lot to offer as a passer. Um, Of course, too, in the designed run game with the straight line speed. So, you know, I think he should be the first quarterback off the board there. Yeah, I, I just like him, you know, really significantly more than any other of the quarterback prospects in the class. Anthony, in your quarterback evaluations, can you understand why it seems that the majority of NFL teams are higher on Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett over your guy Ritter? Oh, for sure. And, you know, it has been interesting to kind of see the market movement. I mean, I remember about a month ago, Ritter was still 40-1 to 1 to be the first quarterback. Now he's 10-1. to 1. Obviously, probably not going to be the first quarterback, but you know, that movement shows that, you know, many across the NFL are kind of coming around on him. And, you know, everything that I've heard over the last few weeks, some people like him, you know, even more than Willis and even more than Pickett. But like you said, the consensus is Malik Willis. Um, he's probably going to be the first quarterback taken. And honestly, I don't even know if he might be top 10. I, we may get a top 10 with no quarterback taken. It's, it's still kind of murky out there. But, you know, I, again, I think he'll be the first quarterback up the board. And the biggest reason is just a pure bet on his tools, right? I mean, he has the biggest arm in the class. He has, he's the most dynamic runner in the class. You know, he has that high upside, right? I mean, you look at what he did too at Liberty, you know, you can kind of see those traits put in the action. He led the FBS in both big time throw rate and rushing grade among FBS quarterbacks this past year, um, which is hard to do. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you put his game at the NFL level. And I think it's going to take a lot of time there. Right? He's a very raw quarterback. You know, the accuracy isn't great. The mechanics are a big part of that. 
you know, the decision-making is a little bit rough. The pocket presence is going to be an issue. Um, it's going to be, I think, if he pans out, it's going to be a multi-year plan before we really kind of see him develop to a quality level of starting. And, you know, I'd be willing to take a chance on him, you know, in the mid to late first round. But putting him in the top ten, I think, might be a little bit of a stretch, um, you know, at least for me. But I can see why some people are, are intrigued there. Again, it's a pure bet with tools. And, you know, just looking at, you know, I think some people could probably look at the Buffalo situation with Josh Allen and think, you know, maybe we can change this guy, right? Maybe we can kind of get to that ceiling just like Buffalo did with Josh Allen. But that, that's kind of, a, I think, a rare case and going to be something hard to replicate. And that's why I'm a little bit lower on Willis in the consensus there. Um, he's still my quarterback, too, in the class. But, again, I would take Ritter first. And, you know, Kenny Pickett, I get why people like him, but then at the same time, I don't. I just really have big concerns with the way his game is going to translate to the next level. I mean, he holds onto the ball for an extraordinarily long time. He gets very panicky there in the pocket. He drifts out of the pocket, too, and bites in pressure. And, you know, it wasn't a problem against, you know, playing for Pitt. And, you know, even though they are in the ACC, he kind of did have a pretty painless schedule there, especially early on. And, you know, you get away with that, right? Um, but, you know, again, he had a 3.2-second average time to throw this past year. That would have been the slowest in the NFL this past year. That's going to have to be about six-tenths of a second quicker at the NFL level. Um, you know, he is a good athlete, but he's not a dynamic enough athlete for, you know, that time to throw to survive, like uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, or Justin Fields, right? So, you know, I, I have pretty big concerns with how he's going to translate, you know, especially with the late career kind of rise um, in just the way he plays the game. So, you know, I, I think he's quarterback five in this class, and I probably wouldn't even take a chance on him until the third round. But, you know, he's probably going to go top 20 in the end. You know, it'll be interesting to see you know, which team kind of takes a chance on him, you know, whether it's Carolina six overall and probably leaning towards no, like I mentioned a little bit ago, um, or it could be New Orleans or it could be uh, Pittsburgh. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see where these quarterbacks really end up shaking out. Anthony, I thought the other thing I was talking to a former NFL cornerback last week. Hey, what do you think the commanders are going to do with their 11th pick? And he said, they better not mess this up and they have to take Derek Stingley Jr., I thought that was interesting. And then you have him going number three to the Texans. Tell us what you love about Stingley. I think the, the whole narrative around that he got worse when he was on the field the last couple of years, I think it's wrong. I, I don't quite get it, honestly. He just doesn't have the ball production, right? And I think a big part of that is that he was just locking down his opposition so much that opposing quarterbacks weren't throwing the ball his way. You know, the true freshman campaign back in 2019, it was it was one of the best seasons that we've ever seen in the PFF database, not just from a true freshman, but, you know, period. I mean, it was an incredible year. He's the highest graded defensive back that year. You know, really a big reason, you know, for LSU's, LSU's defense that year, you know, it wasn't obviously the offense was the reason they made it, you know, had the historic season. Um, but the defense was manageable. It wasn't elite. And I think Derek Stingley's play kind of locking down his side and, you know, just consistently being a playmaker helped that. And, you know, people kind of saw that ball production dip and just assumed it got worse when that's not always the case. Now, the health concerns, I can kind of see it. Um, but I, I, he's healthy now. You know, I wouldn't be too concerned there considering the, the type of talent that he is, the proven talent when healthy. And, you know, considering how valuable the position is at the NFL level, I think he's worth taking a swing on, you know, as a you know, third overall pick. I think he's that rare of a player. And, you know, I think he's going to, in actuality, end up being a top 10 pick. Um, I'd be a little bit surprised, honestly, if he's there for Washington to take at 11. I, I wouldn't even take out Washington if there is no quarterbacks in the top 10. I wouldn't really rule them out of the quarterback conversation. But, you know, I think if Derek Kingley is there, you know, hypothetically, and it would surprise me a little bit, I think they got to sprint the card. I, they absolutely have to do that.
We're talking to Anthony Threat, football focus here about the NFL draft. Anthony, kind of the opposite of the Desmond Ritter part of your mock draft was Trayvon Walker, who could go number one overall. We're hearing buzz. The Jaguars could take him at number one from some insiders around the NFL. You had him at the bottom of your first round. You know, if you were the GMs of these teams, that's where you would put him. Why the discrepancy? What are you not seeing or not liking as much about Trayvon Walker as maybe the NFL? Because he's just jumped up these draft boards and mocks, you know, the last couple of months. Yeah, I mean, I totally get why he may go first overall, right? I mean, if you put him on the field and do some athletic tests, you're going to say, this man's a freak, right? He's just a rare specimen that you don't see every day or every year. So what he did at the Combine was exceptional stuff. Um, the problem is is that that never translated on the football field in any of his years at Georgia. Um, we just never saw that growth or progression, really, despite him being just a freak of nature. And, you know, playing for one of the best coaching staffs in the country, that's a bit of a concern. And, you know, some people will point to his role, right? You know, Kirby Smart's defense, they use a lot of tight mid fronts. Um, you know, they put him inside a lot. Don't give him a lot of true opportunities to get after the quarterback, like some other edge defenders in this class. Um, but even when we did see him, you know, be a true edge rusher, he just didn't show any, any capability of effectively getting after the quarterback. And, you know, the pass rush moveset, it's just not there. His go-to was just using his length to his advantage, and sometimes it worked, but almost every time it didn't. And you look at his pass rush win rate, and it reflects that. Flirting there with around 10 or 11%, if I recall correctly, and that's one of the lowest in college football. I mean, he was, you know, around the 33rd percentile, I think, in true pass rush win rate um, overall in the country. And you look at some of the other top edge defenders in this class, you know, all of them are nearly above the 80th percentile. I, I think it's just going to be, you know, it takes a long time. If he does develop, it's going to take multiple years. But and again, it's kind of like the Malik Willis thing, right? You know, some people may be thinking, you know, with Trayvon Walker, well, look at Daniel Hunter, right? You know, Minnesota Vikings as defender. He didn't, he wasn't a good pass rusher in college. You know, he had, you know, very poor production, but now he's a very good pass rusher at the NFL level, Rashawn Gary. Um, it took him until his third year to really break out produce for the Green Bay Packers. And he was another one, just didn't have the production. The collegiate level still had a long way to go. Trayvon Walker could be one of those scenarios, but that, at number one overall, that's not some, something I really want to bet on, right? You know, that's something, if I'm a contender at the back end of the first round and I had him going to the Kansas City Chiefs, then I would be a little bit more comfortable because at the end of the day, if a team like the Chiefs were to take a chance on a player like that, it doesn't matter if it doesn't work out. They have Patrick Mahomes. They're going to be in contention, right? So it's just going to be an added bonus if it does pan out, you know, and really just hit. So no doubt the biggest boomer bust prospect in this class. And, you know, considering the chances that it does go bust, I, I wouldn't want to take them really first overall. Anthony, the DBs are intriguing. Aaron asked you about Junior, but the, well, the mock draft world it has Kyle Hamilton of Notre Dame sliding. You're still high on Hamilton. Uh, same with Sauce Gardner, thinking he could be a top five pick. I love that under seven and a half, so I'm with you there. But with that said, with DBs moving up on your board, you could see offensive linemen sliding. What's your thought process? Yeah, so I mean, you know, from my mindset, I would I like the DB class. You know, especially at the top, a little bit more than some of those top offensive tackles. You know, you looking at some of those DBs. I just think with Kyle Hamilton, the, the whole forty-yard dash. You know, he's slow. He's not going to have any success at the NFL level because of his slow forty. Don't really get it. Uh, lead draft, you know, if you're Mike Renner, he had a good tweet um, put out. I think it was last night talking about his flying twenty. So the last twenty of the forty. I mean, it was up there with like Lewis Seen from Georgia who ran a 4.37, right? And that's not something to be concerned about. You saw that, you know, that Florida State game where he had that insane play traveling across the field for the interception to open up the 2021 season. 
Um, you know, he it takes him a little bit to get going, but he, he has the long speed. I mean, he has the playmaking ability. I mean, I will never forget his true freshman season. I thought that was one of the better true freshman seasons I've seen from a defensive back aside from Derek Stingley Jr. Um, he's just been a natural playmaker, you know, his entire time at Notre Dame. He has fantastic eyes and coverage um, that he uses his legs to his advantage. Um, I think he's going to be a very good pro, um, you know, at the next level. So, you know, I would still take him, you know, very high in this draft. And, you know, I think he's probably going to end up to steal for some teams, Sauce Gardner, too. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I like that under number two. I think he's going to end up with either a New York Jet or a New York Giant. Um, and I think either fits good for him. We Martindale for the Giants, new defensive coordinator, and put him on an island right away and trust him. You know, really see that from some of these players coming on the draft. But I think he's going to have success, you know, right away at the NFL level. Um, you know, he has, the, the I would say, the best collective career we've ever seen from quarterback in the PFF college era. You know, 1,100 coverage snaps, no touchdowns allowed. You know, he just had an exception year this past year. Um, so the point is, teams just didn't even throw the ball his way. They knew it was going to happen. And then he threw, they threw it to Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant racked up some ball production, and that's how you end up getting, having him win the Thorpe Award. So and as you can see, you know, some people are a little bit too obsessed with ball production. But, you know, Sauce, he's a lockdown in college. I think he will be at the next level. I mean, with this offensive lineman class, it's very talented. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Charles Cross and Evan Neal, I mean, those are very good talents. You know, maybe not Tene Sewell and Rashawn Slater on that same level as last year, but I think they're kind of in that next tier. Um, I think very good projections the next level. Iki Quantum a little bit lower on the consensus than the consensus. You know, he's going to be a good run, run blocker, I think, at the next level. I just have some serious issues with his pass protection. I mean, he's going to have to be get completely reworked in that regard. I think that's going to take a little bit of time to develop. And, you know, while he did put up monster run blocking numbers, you know, at NC State, it was tailor-made to his skill set, right, that wide zone offense. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of replicate that kind of production, that elite run block grade that he had this past year. You know, all that aside, all of those guys I just mentioned, I, they're top 15 picks, I think, in, in this upcoming class. So it'll be interesting to see where this, this EV class ends up shaking out. And not even mention Tripp McDuffie from Washington. I think he'd be – I really hope he goes to Minnesota because they need it. And I think he's put like a glove in that team. That team is going to be kind of Vic Mangio-esque with Ed Donatel running the show over there um, defensively. So – you know, I, it'll be interesting to see where that defensive uh, back class kind of ends up shaking out. And I think we're probably going to see a couple of teams get some really, really good value there. Anthony Trash of Pro Football Focus on the Draft, which is now only five days away. It's had a lack of buzz because of the quarterbacks and a number of teams just not involved when you see all the teams they have. Okay, they have two, they have two, they have two. Giants have two, thanks to the Justin Fields trade. Uh, not complaining, because I'll take Fields over any of these QBs. Uh, but now that it's almost here, I'm in. I'm in, and if you're betting it, you'll be even more in. Uh, we've got some baseball and more of Jim Miller's Derby Notes just two weeks away. Keep it here on Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. It's time to elevate your live betting game. Introducing PointsBet's new exclusive feature, Live Same Game Parlay for NBA. For the first time ever, build the perfect Live Same Game Parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Leave your bet life with PointsBet. Welcome back. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Saturday mornings, 8 to 9 a.m. And all you regulars here on Early Odds understand that our guy Jim Miller 
is here to visit with you each and every week around this time from points bet and Hawthorne Racecourse. What's on your mind, Jim? So much on my mind, Joe. You know what? You are in the heart of the NBA playoffs right now. We're two mm-hmm. weeks from Derby. Major League Baseball season's kicking off. We were able to uh, hit things right to hit the nail on the head with saying the Bulls were not going to get swept. We don't know what the outcome of the series is going to be, but Billy Donovan teams just don't get swept in the playoffs. So that was a good start. But man, from a disgruntled White Sox fan right now, I'm struggling early in the season, my friend. Uh, you know what Joe Madden used to call people like you? You're a lineupista if you have your issues with the lineup. But I do think some of it's fair. And we've seen it in the back ends of double headers. We've seen it in some of the matinees earlier this week. And from the betting perspective, you know, I, I think there are some betters out there that would push back on Joe Madden because they think it is impactful. We've seen it a couple times this week. After the lineups are posted, about a couple hours before game time, the numbers on these lines have shifted. Like we saw it a couple times in that Cleveland series. Okay, they're a short favorite. Then they became a much larger favorite after seeing the the White Sox batting order. And here's the thing about it, Joe. So rarely in a doubleheader does a team sweep the doubleheader. Typically, one team takes one game. The other team takes the other. We saw this White Sox doubleheader the other day where they were horrible in game one. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. But then game two was that lineup that follows like what they put out there the day after they clinched last year. It wasn't even really a major league lineup. But here's the thing, too. We saw back-to-back games last week with Larry Garcia batting three. And Jose Abreu was moved back to four later in the week last week. To me, you want to guarantee that your best hitters are going to hit in the first inning. We know Tim Anderson's a great hitter. He's going to hit in the first inning. Wouldn't you want to guarantee that Jose Abreu's hitting in the first inning? I would have rather seen Abreu batting two than batting four behind a struggling Luis Robert and a guy who is not hitting at all in Larry Garcia. I think a lot of times we get bent out of shape with lineups because it's not what we would do. And... We're blowing a lot of hot air when we're talking about three versus five or five versus six. But when you're talking about one of the worst hitters in the heart of the lineup, when you have a better chance of having players on base, you're going to be in a big spot more like, I just don't understand that. I want my best hitter, two, three, four. I I want that to be murderer's row. I don't quite understand what he's doing, but he's the great Tony La Russa. Kiss the ring, my friend. Here's the thing about it, though, Joe. You look back last year. How many times did the White Sox throw these similar lineups up during the end of the season? Yes, they made the playoffs, but those lineups that they gave away games, which may have meant the difference between having home field advantage in that series with the Astros and not having home field advantage. And we saw kind of how things ended up last year. But every single game, yes, it's a 162-game season. But we saw some giveaway games, and you can't give away games at any point. And I know every player can't play 162, but when you put a lineup out there that basically has a stopper right there at the three-hole, that makes it very hard to endorse a lineup like that. How about that team that your White Sox played earlier this week in Cleveland? If you look at the top of war on Fangraphs.com, you're going to see three Guardians right up there. They're in a good spot to maybe take an award if they keep this up. And here's the thing about it. You look at this team. The big question at the start of the year was, are they going to have enough offense? We know they can pitch the baseball. We know they have a lot of ability 
in their rotation. But Joe, we talked last week about Jose Ramirez for <laughs> AL MVP, and he opened up, had an incredible week, and we knew he wasn't going to repeat that week. But at the same time, this is a guy who's put up huge numbers in the past in his career, still batting over 400 going into the weekend, over 20 RBIs already. And Joe, last week he was 25 to 1 for the MVP on points bet. It's dropped to 8 to 1 now. So it's amazing to see yeah. how that movement can happen throughout the course of a year. We mentioned it at the time. That was a rogue number as well. You couldn't yep. find a 25 to 1 anywhere else. And you've got to be on top of this. The books aren't always paying attention. They figure out that they have a bad number up based on some of the action that they take because you can't look at every award, every stat category, every single morning. So they're relying on the information that the betters are giving them. And Jose Ramirez has the best numbers of any American League hitter. And now he's your fourth favorite only behind Otani, Vlad Jr. and Trout. And we know he has a pedigree to win the MVP. Cleveland does not have to have a great season for him to take that award. And I know you were looking... In the opposite league, National League style, what are you thinking? All right, two things I want to look at, Joe, in the National League. Now, we've talked about Seiya Suzuki throughout the course of the season. To me, as long as he just stays healthy, he will be the NL Rookie of the Year because there's nobody else to challenge. But at points bet right now, you can still get a plus number. He's at plus 160. It may be worth jumping on and out because I don't think you're going to see a plus number for very long on Suzuki. He's to the point now where teams are even pitching around him, but then – I got a guy that I wanted to bring up to you for NL MVP just because I requested the number and the number came up at 100 to one on the guy. What do we got? CJ Crone of the Colorado Rockies. And here's the reason why Chris Bryant's playing. Okay. Chris Bryant's getting on base in front of CJ Crone. CJ Crone had six home runs through the course of the first two weeks. You're in a ballpark. That's home run friendly. Mm -hmm. And the Rockies opened up the season eight and four in what's supposed to be a very tough division. But Hey, what happens if they hang around just a little bit and maybe they start playing some consequential games and maybe he continues to put up numbers. A hundred to one is an incredible number on a guy that should be able to put up some good offensive figures. His offensive numbers are telling you he's top five player in the league right now. Yeah. And like you mentioned, I mean, every case, I mean, you went over it item by item playing at cores off to a great start. Uh, yeah, the numbers should be there. And I agree with you 100% on Suzuki. It sounds foolish a lot of times when we look at the opinions that we're putting out there in many baseball seasons during the month of April. But I think he's going to run away with this. And the yep. other part is the lack of competition. It is quite, I was talking with Speaks about this the other day during my Tuesday hit right here on the score. It's just, he just, where's the player that's going to come up and he's going to have the counting stats because of the volume being in the lineup every single day. Like we could make a case for Hunter green and the amount of pitches that he's just firing in there well over a hundred miles per hour at a ridiculous pace. But the problem is he's only going to take the ball every fifth day. He's not going to be have as many opportunities as Suzuki. I don't think that's insane just because of the Colorado factor with CJ Crone. You look at C.J. Crone again, he's a power guy. The one thing that concerns me is we saw Nolan Arenado for years put up massive numbers and get overlooked because people said it was Colorado. But that was also a lot of years when Colorado was not that competitive. If they could remain somewhat competitive in here, at least you're going to get a little bit of a view on this guy. 
he's going to be a 40 home run guy if he stays healthy and 40 home runs all of a sudden at least puts you in the discussion. So we'll see what happens. Well, what about Arenado? I talked about him earlier this week on the show when he was 20 to one and yep. taking a look at his numbers, there's still some value. Arenado 16 to one over a points bet right now. He's got the top numbers on the NL side. So uh could certainly be a consideration. This is early odds with Joe Ostrowski sports radio, six seventy. the score weekly contributor, Jim Miller from Hawthorne and points bet sports book. And Jim, we started to dabble on the Kentucky Derby. We had the final preps race last week. We're now two weeks away from the run for the roses. Anything notable to pass on to the early odds audience? You know what? There's a couple things that are notable to pass on. And it's just the fact that there's some horses in the race that may not fit in the race, but they have enough points to get in. A horse like Morello was not very good in the Wood Memorial a couple of weeks ago. Horse by the name of Un Ojo pulled off some huge surprise victory in Arkansas a few weeks back. But those are horses that are going to be non-factors, I think, in the Kentucky Derby. But then you look at the horse who won the Lexington last week, who already had enough points to get into the Kentucky Derby. That's a horse by the name of Tawny Port. This one from the barn of trainer Brad Cox. And Tawny Port's a horse that might be improving enough to at least be a factor on Derby Day. This is a horse that's going to be 20 or 30 to 1 in the Kentucky Derby once we get to the race. But the horse showed its ability to win over a dirt track, remains in Kentucky, is already training at Churchill Downs. So well, you're going to have a lot of those horses, the favorites like Epicenter and Zandon and Mo Donegal. You might want to look at a horse like Tawny Port leading up into the race. You might be able to catch it even now in some futures if you look around. But Tawny Port's probably going to be 20 or 30 to 1 come Derby Day. All right, a lot going on. We've got four more NBA playoff games today, but what about the horses? All right, we got three horses at Hawthorne today. It's nice to get a little bit of home cooking. So here's the three we're looking at. Race four, bet the two, awesome family to win. Race six, bet the one, T-Burns to win. And then a race seven, bet the two horse, Good Mongolia, across the board. Nice to be racing Saturday and Sunday at Hawthorne, and we'll add in Fridays in May. Jim Miller of Points Bet Sportsbook and Hawthorne Racecourse. Jim, talk next week. Good luck with all your wagering over the weekend. You got it. Lots of fun times right now, Joe. Good luck to you. Can we call it? Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it on this Saturday morning. Summer in Chicago is here. The weather, I can feel it, putting everybody in a terrific mood. We've got more Bulls Bucks tomorrow and at least Wednesday. The NFL Draft on Thursday. So check out BetQL Daily all week, 8 to 11 a.m. live on the BetQL Network and the podcast available 24-7. My weekday hits here on The Score. As well, I'm on Twitter by my name, at Joe Ostrowski, at Joe Ostrowski. I keep you updated there with everything. And thanks for all the birthday wishes yesterday. Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw is next. Make sure to cash those tickets and keep it locked here on 670 The Score. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.